Amen. Help me out here. I got probably too much in the monitor. Things going wrong. I'll just talk aimlessly until it sounds better. Amen. Hey, you know what today is? Today's Sunday. But all around the world, people are celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And let me just say, Pentecost is not a denomination. Are you with me? They're celebrating the, uh, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. And that's you. Everybody say, I'm the church. And so, though I'm not going to preach a message on Pentecost, at the close of this service, and I think we'll have plenty of time, we're going to pray a Pentecost prayer over one another. We're going to pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would be poured out in your life uh, in a new and a fresh way. How many of you could use a fresh outpouring of the power and the presence of God in your life? Uh, what better Sunday to do that than on Pentecost Sunday? So uh, just get ready for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. In fact, look at somebody and make this declaration to them. Look them right in the eye and say, today, come on right now, say it. Today, God's going to pour out his power on your life. He's going to fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. amen. So get, and as uh, T.D. Jake says, everybody say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Amen. That wasn't near as good as T.D. does. Uh, but I really believe that today. So, uh, and you deserve it because you are a child of God. Amen. Turn, if you will, to Exodus chapter 20 and Proverbs 4. Exodus 20. And Proverbs 4. And I, I want to just kind of wait a moment until I used to say, till I can hear those pages turning, but I see, you know, Trish on the front has her iPad or whatever it is out, uh, you know, so you can't hear those pages turning. I guess you could. Do they actually have sound? When you could turn the sound up. Where, but uh, I want you to really fall in love and get a grip on these words, especially uh, uh, today for today's sake. So Exodus 20 and Proverbs 4. And while you're turning there, let me say we're concluding our series on American idols dethroning the modern day idols of our time. This is our sixth Sunday to do that. Uh, in fact, in just a moment, I'm going to go back and just share with you what the last five Sundays uh, have, have been all about. So you can kind of get a synopsis of this entire series. But let's begin in Exodus chapter 20, which has been our launching pad. And one more time, look at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, where God says this, or really Moses quotes what God said to him on the mountain. And he says, and God spoke all these words, saying... I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. <coughs> Pardon me. You shall not bow down uh, to them nor serve them or really worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Father, thank you for the reading of your word and for the import of your word into our lives. Lord, may it be downloaded into our spirit today and sealed by the Holy Ghost to keep us, Lord, uh, uh, living a life that is free from the modern day idols of our time. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. Now, I know what we've been thinking. I've been kind of dethroning some, some mindsets about idolatry. You know, uh, how many of you know modern day idolatry, it has nothing to do with statues and molding or graven images? 
Really not. That's old school idolatry. Uh, modern day idolatry has nothing to do with those kind of things, those statues or images that the children of Israel were always making or falling down and worshiping. Uh, in fact, what we've learned, in fact, before this next uh, point comes up, I've, I've given you a definition of an idol. Can anyone say what an idol is? Oops, but I said, uh, pardon me. Let's play like we didn't say. It's anything that takes the place of God on the throne room of your heart. Everybody say anything. An idol can be anything. You could get all hung up on a glass of water. I've never seen that. But uh, it can be anything. And, and guess what? Any good thing can become an idol. You see, when we take the, the gift that God has given us, we take the blessing and begin to worship it and attend to it over the benefactor of the blessing, we've developed idolatry in our life. And so that's, that's what we need to embrace and understand. And it's one of the most repeated themes throughout Scripture is idolatry. And uh, from the beginning, the first two Ten Commandments have to do with idolatry. Uh, and then, gosh, you get into the New Testament, it's there too. The last verse of 1 John says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Uh, one other passage in the New Testament says, flee. I think it's, oh, it's the, it's, oh, 2 Corinthians, maybe 1 Corinthians 10. I get them mixed, but about verse 13, after it talks about there's no temptation take, taken you, but such as is common to man. Then Paul said, he, he said, flee idolatry. And so th this theme ought to, ought to in fact, uh, you've seen this on our announcements. Uh, Kyle Eidelman, who wrote Gods at War that we're looking at on Wednesday night, uh, he said idolatry is not an issue. It's the issue of our day. And so uh, that's why we've addressed it for now these last five weeks in this final Sunday. Let me tell you where we've been just to kind of give you some recap. The first Sunday we started this series... I talked to you about some flawed methodologies we have with dealing with idolatry. And they're flawed to the core. Just quickly, here they are. I gave them to you. And I would encourage you, if you've missed these, listen. Uh, as, as we'll see to, to, today, this issue is hugely important in our life. So if you've missed this, this is you just happened in. You know, you can go to our website, the churchontherocknorth.com uh, and uh, cotrnorth.com. And uh, you can find these messages here. You can go to iTunes and you can download them on your iPad, your iPhone, uh, your computer. And you can listen to these messages in detail. <laughs> on our website, I think even these PowerPoints are available. Please take advantage of that because you need this. And these flawed methodologies I gave were this. Medication. How many of you know you can't medicate an idol? <laughs> you really can't. Uh, mediation. How many of you know you can't barter with the devil? You can't make a deal with the devil. You can't, you can't just, hey, let's just work this thing out between us. Uh, it's a flawed methodology. Moderation is a flawed methodology. Ever heard this? You know, people have an issue with something. Say, well, you know, everything in moderation. How many of you know, basically, beyond the physiological addiction, uh, how many of you know alcoholism or drug addiction is idolatry? You understand? And... and Things like that. They're, they're idolatrous. And, and, and uh, what we've got to understand is uh, you can't just have moderation. You, and, uh, how many of you know an alcoholic can't say, you know, I'll just, uh, just, I'll just be moderate in my drinking. 
No, they've got an idol in their life that has to be dethroned. You can't have moderation. And then the fourth flawed methodology I gave was modification. There's a lot of this going on. We're just going to modify how we live. We're going to just change some things about our life. And that's good. That sounds great. But how many of you know when you've got an idol who is in control of the throne room of your heart, it, you can't just modify your 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 uh, uh, lifestyle. You've got something else in charge of your life that until it's dethroned, you can't change the way you live. Are you, with, are you listening to me this morning? And so flawed methodologies, I would encourage you to listen to that message if you haven't. And then the next Sunday, we talked about breaking the spirit of unfaithfulness or adultery off of our life because God, you, what did it say here after he said, don't, don't commit idolatry, don't have any false gods before me? He said, for I'm a jealous God. So we tend to think jealousy is a bad thing. No, God's jealous. And he doesn't want you being adulterous or idolatrous with the throne room of your heart. And so we talked about that and how, how we've got to break that spirit of unfaithfulness. And really, it, it's, it's, it's in what we embrace. And I shared this with you. I'd encourage you to go back and get, you know, in fact, it's not, you don't uh, dethrone these modern day idols by removing them. You replace them. You see, when you're, when you've got an idol problem, you're embracing a false God in your life. And so that message, uh, was designed to just teach us how to embrace the right things in life and began to be proactive with, 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 uh, what we respond to. And then we talked about developing 3D vision for dethroning idolatry. Three, the 3Ds were determination. That means I'm just determined. I'm not going to let this thing control my life. The, the next D was definition. That means I've got some guidelines and some guards and some, some parameters set up in my heart and in my life. And the third one is declaration. I'm just going to make a bold declaration that Jesus Christ is now the Lord and the leader of my life. And these false gods have no authority over me. Somebody say another amen. The 3D vision for dethroning idolatry. And then I shared with you developing an idol-free thought life. Pause. Let me just say, even if you heard that once, you need to go back and listen to that again. I gave you three things or uh, really, yeah, three simple things to do in order to develop an idol-free thought life. And that, the first one was feed on the right stuff. You know, garbage in, garbage out. But you start feeding on the right stuff. Guess what? You'll begin to get a response. And then the power of what? Everyone say it. Come on, say it. Follow through. You've got to follow through with what you're, what, what you're learning and how you're growing. You've got to follow through. It's the power of follow through. Uh, and then fellowship. Everyone say fellowship. You've got you to gotta, you gotta fellowship with the right stuff. You've got to follow through with the right stuff. You've got to feed on the right stuff. Change the way you think. If you change the way you think, you can change the way you act. If you change the way you act, you can change the way uh, you live in the direction and the destiny of your life. It's a powerful thing, the thought life we have, and we can gain control of our thoughts. And then last Sunday, I shared with you uh, becoming wholehearted for Him. Giving your whole heart for Him and some great tools to give you. Now, all these messages are just different ways of saying the same thing. But I want to encourage you, and they all intertwine and interweave. And, and, and so I encourage you to embrace them uh, and, and follow through. Everyone say follow through. Uh, and, and, and just allow this uh, series to really make its biggest impact in your life. And so with that being said this morning... I'm going to cap this mess, this series with a very important message, a simple message, 
but very important. And I want to talk to you about guarding your heart. Everyone say guarding your heart. You know, understand something about your heart. It's your most valuable asset, uh, the heart. And so today, with that being said, if you're in Proverbs 4.23, pardon me, I want to read it to you today from a a version. uh, It's the today's new international version. I think it's a powerful one. There's a lot of great ones. But Proverbs 4.23, in fact, this morning, guess what's going to happen this morning? All of us are going to memorize this right now, whether we like it or not. Come on now. Are you ready? You got kick in gear. Everybody set up straight. Listen carefully. I want everybody to say Proverbs 4.23. Let's read it together, and then we're just going to get it settled in our heart. Here we go. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Do it again. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everyone say Proverbs 4.23. Say it all together. Here we go. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Now, I'm telling you today, that, that, that one verse is a life changer if you'll understand it. And here's what you need to say. When you hear somebody say, above all else... What do you realize? He's talking about everything. He said, above all else. How many many of you know uh, family is very important? And focusing on our family is hugely important. But how many of you know if you don't guard your heart, your family's in trouble already? How many of you know making a good living for your family and for the kingdom of God is important, right? Those are all good things. But how many of you know, if you don't guard your heart, your finances are going to get messed up and the enemy's going to come in and your priorities are going to get all mixed up. And, and he says, everything you do flows from it. Everyone say, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do, everybody say, for everything I do, flows from it. How many of you know above all else means above all else? And so this morning I capped this series with an above all else message. Hey, you got to get this part down. Because if you don't set up a guard over your heart. In fact, let me go back. And if you listen to all these messages, you apply them all. You're going to get what I'm going to tell you here this morning. But hey, let's just bring it down simply. And realize that this has to become top priority in our life. Guarding your heart, building a protective hedge around your heart has to become the top priority of your life. Everybody say top priority. And so this is important. And I want you to write it down on the tablet of your heart. Write it down on your actual tablet. Write it down somewhere. Remember it. Get a hold of it and realize this verse, Proverbs 4.23, is hugely big priority in your life. Above all else, guard your heart for, for everything you do flows from it. And everybody said... Amen. Now, thinking about our hearts and thinking about the issue of our heart and guarding our heart, I want to talk to you just quickly to kind of build a foundation here about enemies of a healthy heart. You know, there's a lot of, there's, how many of you know heart trouble is a big killer in America today? Really is. 
And so there's a great application in that, and I want to show it to you today. And though I'm not a doctor or physician, I've learned a few things about, uh, about the enemies of a healthy heart physically. Uh, let me share them with you today and how they apply to us spiritually to kind of build a foundation on the fact that we've got, got to deal with a, our heart issue. The first one is this, genetics. How many of you know, when you go to the doctor and he starts quizzing you, uh, and he's going to ask you some important questions. In fact, one of the things that just drives me bonkers, when you go to the doctor, that, and if you've never been there before, you've got to fill out a life history of you, your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, Uncle Ed, and the neighbor down the street. They want to know about everybody's issues, and, and I just, I just kind of fake them out. I say, yes, 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 no, 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 yeah, maybe, uh, But what are they trying to, they're looking for bad genetics. And they will ask you, is there any history of heart trouble in your family? Is there any history of strokes in your family? And so what are they looking for? The bad genetics. And how many of you know, if if you're in a bloodline that just has bad genetics, you just got bad genetics. Oops. How'd that happen? I don't know. But, you know, that's an enemy of a healthy heart. It's bad genetics. But, hey, from a spiritual perspective, how many of you know God took care of bad genetics on Calvary's cross? Amen. Another one is this, poor diet. You know, when I, when I started going to the doctor after I, I found out I wasn't perfect physically, uh, they start talking about how, how you eat. And I said, careful there. You're dealing with somebody. Mighty powerful forces in the earth when you start telling me to change the way I eat. Uh, but how many of you know poor diet is a killer in America today? Whoa, it's just terrible. And so uh, I just went on a seafood diet. I seafood and I eat it. Sorry, I'm just joking. But we are what we eat from a spiritual perspective perspective we've already talked about feeding on the right stuff so poor diet is a is a enemy of a healthy heart a lack of exercise of course we, we live a sedentary lifestyle most of us uh, you know the technology of our day has got us sitting and staring we need to quit sitting and staring and get up living and, and going and do it in fact jesus or the word of god says in him we live and move and have our being in other words, uh, as a Christian, we can't sit and stare. We've got to live and move. We've got to get busy, not just physically, but spiritually. But that's an enemy of a healthy heart. And then number four is undue stress. How many of you know we live in a stress-filled world? That's why God's always telling us and the Word of God's always teaching us to fear not and don't worry. Everyone say, fear not. Everybody say, don't worry. In fact, Paul said this in Philippians, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, there you go, which passes all understanding, shall keep and guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. So these things are enemies of a healthy heart. Now the interesting thing about these four things is this. The first one you can't do anything about. You can't change your genetics. Do not need to change to the handheld? Let's do that, Beverly, help me out. You can't change bad genetics. But how many of you know lack of exercise and stress you can address? Let me say that again. It just kind of rolled off so wonderfully. You can't, you can't change bad genetics. But poor diet, lack of exercise, and stress, you and I can address. 
We can address the, the latter of these three. And from a spiritual perspective, these things apply. You can't deal with the, you know, our, you know what our bad genetics are? I, in, in the bloodline of humanity, we're natural born sinners. We're separated from God. But Jesus addressed the bad genetics on Calvary's cross. And he paid for us with his own blood. And said, you can come and you can be healed and made whole. And he dealt with the bad genetics. But you and I, we've got to, we can reverse the curse, if you will, by changing our spiritual diet. Come on now. And by beginning to develop spiritual exercises of faith and quit worrying and fretting about the things you can't change and start trusting God in every area of your life and let the peace of God rule your heart. Amen. Now that's my little intro for the morning. Aren't you sad that your neighbor's not here today? And so here it is, and here's what you and I need to embrace today. And as we get close, we're talking about lifestyle disciplines. We change some things about, you see, if you go to the doctor, I'll never forget, I had a friend of mine, and he was a, he was a good faithful member of our church in Quitman, but he was a smoker. Man, he could smoke, and he was, a, he was in construction, and he was out on a construction site one day, and all of a sudden, he started having real issues with his heart. And uh, man, he, 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 was so, he was real close to a hospital. They rushed him to the, to the emergency room. They gave him, what's that shot they give you? The, it's just an amazing thing. It's like it just saves a lot of people's life. If they can get it, it's a, there's a name for it. But they gave him that shot, and, and, and it just saved his life. And so, uh, man, the doctor comes in the next day, and he said, You know, Ron, you just about died. He said, I know. He said, you're going to have to make some changes. He said, I know. He said, you know, you've been smoking for how long? He said, 30-something years. He said, you're going to have to quit smoking. And he said, not a problem. In other words, I would rather live and breathe and have my being than smoke another stogie. Lifestyle changes. And so I want to give you some truths today to kind of awaken you today about lifestyle disciplines that you and I need to understand. Write these down on the tablet of your heart. Write these down somewhere. These are, I'm going to give you three thoughts that are designed to put the fear of God in you about guarding your heart. Here it is. An undisciplined life is an unguarded life. An undisciplined life is an unguarded life. In other words, if we live an undisciplined life, we are vulnerable to the enemy. We are at the mercy of our environment. And how many of you know the spiritual environment that we live in is not nor is, is not a really a, a a very healthy place except when you come to the local church and stay plugged into the body of Christ. But if we live an undisciplined life spiritually, guess what? We are unguarded and at the mercy of our environment and at the mercy of the devil who is trying to invade our life and invade our resources and invade our spiritual uh, journey and and set up residence on the throne room of our heart through the methodology of idolatry. So everyone's saying undisciplined life is an unguarded life. So when you think about spiritual discipline and what we're going to, in fact, I'm going to give you four lifestyle disciplines uh, in just a few moments, nothing new. It's rehearsal, it's review, uh, not rehearsal, but review. And it's just going to be some, 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 Things you know but need to be reminded of. But understand something. If you and I don't embrace uh, some, some lifestyle changes and we are undisciplined spiritually, 
Our life and our heart is unguarded. You cannot guard your heart if you're undisciplined. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't guard your heart if you're undisciplined. It's just true. Everyone say, that's true. I know, I know, I know I'm right. So, so you need, that ought to, uh, that ought to put the fear of God in us and begin to develop within us a discipline, a more disciplined lifestyle, uh, to, to evade the enemies of a, of our heart. Number two, an undisciplined life is an unhealthy life. You're spiritually unhealthy if you're spiritually undisciplined. You're not healthy. How many of you, if you're not healthy, you're vulnerable to all kinds of things. You're unguarded, as I said. You're unhealthy, and so spiritually unhealthy. And if you're spiritually unhealthy, guess what you do everywhere you go? You, you infect other people. You're sneezing your spiritual infirmity all over everybody else. You're coughing and spitting and frothing and foaming your spiritual infirmity over all, everybody else. You're spiritually unhealthy. And, and guess what? The enemy takes advantage of that too. So an undisciplined life is an unguarded life, and it's an unhealthy life. And number three, catch this. Let me just get right to the chase here. An undisciplined life is a defeated life. An undisciplined life, you might as well go ahead and write loser over the forehead of your heart. Because if you are spiritually undisciplined, you will lose in life. You will not win your, your, your battles with the enemy. You will not win in this thing called spiritual warfare. You will lose. You will not win. You will lose. Now, I know that that's throwing some of you for a loop because you just want me to pray a Pentecostal prayer over you in a little bit and everything be all right. How many of you know the people in Pentecost got up the next morning and began to live a disciplined life? They began to hear the Word of God and read the Word of God and grow and fellowship and, and pray together and worship together. They got a grip. It's not just a Pentecostal experience you and I need. We need the discipline of life. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, run to win. And the, he said, people who run in a race, uh, not all win. And the ones who win are those who discipline themselves in all things. An undisciplined life is a defeated life. And if you today walk, listen to me, you walk out of this room today and you shrug this message off and you say, well, maybe so, maybe not, you will lose in life. It takes discipline. So with that in mind, everybody take a deep breath. And let me give you four simple things, but yet life changers. Some lifestyle disciplines for building a hedge of protection around your heart. And again, it's simply a reminder message. But how many of you know we need reminding from time to time? And here they are. The first one, of course, is this. The first lifestyle discipline for building a protective hedge around your heart is the daily discipline. Everybody say daily discipline. You see, di discipline doesn't come in a day. It comes daily. I'll never forget one time as a young student, uh, I had a teacher who was kind of my spiritual uh, mentor at the time in high school. And I came to her with my Bible and all this. I'd read a lot of Romans and I had a lot of highlights. I said, look what all I did last night. I read Romans. Uh, and and she's, she was going, well, what did you learn? I said, well, I don't know, but I read a lot. 
And I was trying to show her what I did in a day that should impress her and impress God. How many of you know that discipline doesn't happen in a day? It happens daily. And so the first one is this. Uh, the daily discipline of the Bible. And if you don't have your Bible today, I want to encourage you to get one. If you can't afford one, we've got uh, whole boxes of Bibles. You just got to have a magnifying glass to read them. They're just really small print. But we've got Bibles. And the discipline of the Bible is so has to become top priority in our life. The daily discipline of the Bible. In fact, here's your homework. Homework. Come on, Manergy Krebs. Yes, homework. Work. Homework. Here it is. Read Psalms 119. Here's your homework for today, for this week. Read, meditate, chew on, digest. Psalm 119. Why Psalm 119? It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Oh my goodness. You want me to read the longest chapter in the Bible? It's a whole 160 something verses. How will I ever accomplish that? Uh, oh, you can do it, I promise. You're used to sitting and staring. Okay, so here we go. The Psalm 119. Because nearly every verse has to do with the power of the Bible and the command of God and the Word of God in our life. So here's your homework. It'll help you move into a daily discipline. Let me just give you a verse. I think it's verse 10. And this is what it says. It says, uh, uh, if you hide, he said, I'll, if I hide thy word in my heart, I will not sin against thee. In other words, it will guard me. It'll put a hedge of protection around my life. The daily discipline of the Bible will put a hedge, build a hedge of protection around your life. Hey, you want to hear another one? Read, hey, jump over to Proverbs chapter 7. This is one I love. And, and, and again, this is simple stuff. It's back to the basics here this morning. But listen to Proverbs 7. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and, and make and, and, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your nearest kin that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Did, he, did you hear that? This word of God will keep us and protect us from the influences of the enemy and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and all those things that try to undermine our heart. Listen, it's the daily discipline of the Bible. We teach this in our Connect class, which is our new members slash new believers class. And if you've uh, not gone through our Connect class, where's Michelle? Michelle, raise your hand. She can help you do that. And if you have some of our Connect team who are calling you and saying, hey, have you completed uh, Connect class 101 or 102 or however they are, the there's four of them. If you haven't completed them, you need to complete them because the first one has to do with some of the disciplines that we're talking about. And here's what we teach you in those class. You need to hear the Word of God. This will help you. Everybody say, hear the Word. In fact, what does Romans 10 say? When you hear the Word, you know what it'll do for you? It'll open up you the capacity to believe the Bible. And so you hear the Word. Everyone say, hear the Word. And then read the Word. Everyone say, read the Word. 
Man, we need to read the Word. And then we teach you how not only to read the Word, but to study the Bible. Study the Word. And begin to address some real issues in your life. You study the Word. And then memorize and meditate on the Word of God. And then you apply the Word of God. That follow through. Get a grip on the Bible. And the Bible will get a grip on you. Amen. And build a hedge of protection around your heart. It's the daily discipline of the Bible. That you and I must, let me stop and say it, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. So it's the daily discipline of the Bible. Number two, the daily discipline of prayer and praise. You and I know this, but it's a daily discipline. If you develop a daily discipline of the Bible and prayer and praise, it will change your life and begin to guard you and keep you from those issues that, that have harassed you. And in fact, Jesus taught this to his disciples in Matthew 6. This is old stuff, but some of you, it ought to be brand new. Matthew 6, he said, when you pray. Everyone say, when you pray. And when he teaches them how to pray, he teaches them what we call the model prayer. And in the model prayer, it's a lifestyle of praise and worship. And it's a daily thing. And our role model is Jesus. How many of you know Jesus got up early and prayed and stayed up late? And kind of an interesting thing, I've had people say, well, Pastor, I'm just not an early person. I'm not an early bird. Well, Jesus was an early bird and a late bird. So pick Pick one at least uh, and realize that, that a daily discipline of prayer and praise will build a hedge of protection around your life. We teach this in our Connect class, uh, you know, uh, to every new member and every believer that goes through that class. They learn how to pray. Pray through the model prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, that's praise. He said when you start praying, begin with praise. Come into His presence with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. And then pray this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That's praying the purposes of God over your life. You're praising Him, and then you're praying about the purposes of God over your life, your family. And you're declaring His will to be done in your life. And then you keep on praying, and you pray that God would give you this day your daily bread. He'll provide for you everything you need physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally. He'll give you everything you need. Give us this day our daily bread. And we teach people to pray over the pardon of God over their heart and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He said, make that a lifestyle in your praying. And then he prays. He teaches us to pray about protection for, and say this, uh, keep us or guard us from the evil one. Guard us, keep us from the evil one. It's a prayer of protection. And then he finishes up his model prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You see, you come into his presence with praise and you leave his the prayer closet with praise. Hey, build a daily discipline of prayer and praise in your life. It'll build a hedge of protection. You see, if you're always talking to God, the other voices of your your day, it's, it's, it's that replacement therapy. Those other voices that are harassing you kind of lose their influence in your life. Everybody said amen. It's the daily discipline of the Bible. It's the daily discipline of prayer and praise. And number three, it's the daily discipline of fellowship. But let me say it this way, accountability. Everyone say accountability. You know, people think of fellowship, they think of fried chicken. In fact, in just a couple of Wednesday nights, we're going to have a big family fellowship out here. Uh, And for the kids, it's the Wednesday after Memorial Day. Uh, It's a big family affair. I'm going to buy 
fried chicken for you. You better show up or I'll have to eat it. We think, you know, you know, it's going to be a blast, bouncy things, all kinds of fun, just family fan, fun and fellowship. We think, oh, that's, that's it. But how many of you know, uh, really, the real discipline is moving beyond that to become building a lifestyle of accountability. You know, last night when we were praying here, we had two or three of the young men here at the church, and after, the, after we finished praying, uh, they went off to go eat somewhere. And I got to thinking about them. You know, they're not just going to eat. They're going to fellowship. And they're not going to only fellowship, but I know their lifestyle. They're holding each other accountable. Listen, that's huge when it comes to guarding your heart. How many of you know things grow in the secret places? If you expose them, they lose their power and influence in your life. And if we'll be accountable to one another... In fact, did you know the Bible says in James, and we kind of miss this part because we read uh, James 5, we talk about anointing each other with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. But he says, if you, he said, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. It's being accountable to one another. Amen? You know, I just finished reading... Kathy, raise your hand. Kathy wrote a book called Believe It's, po- Believe it's Possible. It's about her life and about her friend who passed away who had great faith and who influenced her life. It's a great read. In fact, she'll help you find a copy. And, and, and some of you are in the book, so you better get a copy. In fact, some of it's not pretty, so you better go get the book. So you'll... I'm joking. Uh, uh, but she was an alcoholic. And she battled that. She went through all those self-medication things, didn't you? You tried to medicate it. You tried to moderate it. You tried to just change your behavior. and Nothing changed until, you know what? A little time in the presence of God will do a world of good when dethroning idols in your life. And now she's building a lifestyle of discipline, a different kind of discipline. She was very disciplined with her alcoholism. How many of you know you just replace it? And now you know what she is? She's accountable. She's sitting next to one of her accountability partners who helped uh, slap her way through. (laughs) (laughs) What are you thinking? Uh, And how many of you know it doesn't have to be alcoholism? Whatever area of our life, we need to be accountable to somebody. So it's a daily discipline of the Bible, a daily discipline of prayer and praise, a daily discipline of fellowship uh, and, and, and working together and being accountable together. In fact, I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, when he talks about us having the same mind for one another. He said, you know what you need to be doing? Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Being accountable together, striving, working it out together for the faith of the gospel. Amen? Hey, did you know there's some things you can't carry on your own? In fact, read Galatians chapter 6. Ooh, yeah, I think it's Galatians 6. I'm just drawing from my memory bank. I think it's this. Two, two interesting phrases. The Bible says, uh, uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of God, Paul said. And so, and then in a couple of verses later, he says, let everybody bear their own burden. I think, Paul, if you lost your noodle, you send two things out of the side and you study it a little Greek, there are different types of burdens. How many of you know there's some things you don't want anybody else, they don't need to carry them. 
They're not their burden. In fact, you know what some people do? They try to get everybody to carry their burdens that they can carry on their own. Because they're just lazy, spiritually. Pastor, come pray for me. <laughs> I need, you need a miracle in your finances? Well, are you tithing? Are you giving? Are you being faithful with what God... No, but just pray for me. You carry this burden for me. In fact, can I borrow 20 bucks? No. But then there's some burdens, and this is one of the one Paul it says, uh, bear you one another's burdens. There's some things you just can't carry. And you know what's interesting about a lot of people? They want everybody to carry the burdens they can carry, but the burdens that they need help with, they don't want anybody messing with that stuff. You stay away, that's embarrassing. It's accountability. Are you with me? Say amen. And then finally, and we're about to close. Somebody say hallelujah. Hey, but wait a minute. Above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flow the issues of life. The final of these four daily disciplines that you and I need to embrace in our life is not only the daily discipline of the Bible and the daily discipline of prayer and praise and the daily discipline of fellowship and accountability, but the daily discipline of a faith-filled confession. It's that power of declaration all over again. Now, people get this backwards. People who haven't been reading the Bible and praying and praising and being accountable, they go around trying to spout off faith-filled confessions. But they're drawing from an empty well. There is no authority behind their words. It's impossible to have a faith-filled confession if, if the reservoir of your heart is, is dry. So as you begin to read your Bible and study and pray and hear and, and, and develop a reservoir within, an internal database to draw from, you're not going to be able to declare a faith-filled confession until you come to the place where you're trusting God, prayer, praying about everything and not worrying about anything. But when those things start rolling, uh, d- building up within your heart, then you need to begin to declare them in your life. For out of the abundance of the heart, not out of the emptiness of your heart, but out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth begins to speak, even on a negative side. Have you ever been so sick and tired of something somebody was doing? You bit your tongue so long, it just bled and then one day you just had enough you had an abundance of too much of their junk in your life and you just just all of a sudden you just let her rip and you went oopsie daisy what happened out of the abundance of your heart your mouth spoke but if you begin to fill your heart with the word and the power and the presence of God and the fellowship of the saints you can begin to declare Hebrews 10 23 says let us hold fast the confession of our faith you see your words are creative our words are redemptive our words are progressive our words are productive we begin to declare his will in our life. Beverly and I were talking this morning as we were getting ready. Talking about our prayer life. And she, she said, you know, I'm beginning to not just pray about things, but I'm beginning to declare things. 
because faith is rising in my heart over certain scenarios. And as you begin to build this discipline life, let it fly. And see what the power of a faith-filled confession. That's why Hebrews says, don't stop with that. He said, don't let the confession, hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Your family responsibilities, your financial responsibilities, your relational responsibilities, your ministry responsibilities. Guard your hearts above all else. Let's stand together. Father, today as we come to the conclusion of this series, this Sunday morning, I pray over everyone who's listening to me today that the sound of my voice, either by internet or here this morning, that you would inspire them and empower them to begin to follow through with what they heard today. And begin to address these issues that are enemies of a healthy heart. And begin to make some lifestyle changes today. Some daily disciplines. That will empower them and build a protective hedge around their heart. Keep the powers of darkness and the idols of our day at bay. And find themselves at a whole new place of victory. For we know, Lord, an undisciplined life is a defeated life. But, Lord, a disciplined life is a victorious life. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Well, today, before we leave, we're going to pray a power prayer. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh and anew. You want to do that today? It's Pentecost Sunday. Look at your neighbor and just kind of whisper this. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready. I feel faith in this house. Now, normally I don't instruct you to do things you're not comfortable with. But today I'm feeling a little frisky. Let's lift up our hands to God. And let's just begin to say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Come on. Just begin to say, Lord, fill me afresh with the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on now. Lord, today we come boldly into your throne room of grace. And Lord, we know you've given us the Holy Spirit, Lord. You said you'd not leave us comfortless. You'd not leave us powerless, Lord. And you said when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we'd receive power to be witnesses unto you in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so today we lift up our hands on Pentecost Sunday. And Lord, we, we yield to the flow of the Holy Ghost in our life. Come on, just stir it up inside. Just, just fan into flame the gift of God within you right now. And let the power of the Holy Spirit be made manifest. Don't resist. Don't poof the Holy Ghost right now. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. 
Fill me afresh with the power of God. Lord, fill me afresh with your grace and your anointing in my life. Lord, take control of my life. Fill me, gift me, grace me for your kingdom purposes. Lord, I thank you for the power of God to come upon me to defeat every demon devil in hell in my life and to open my mouth wide to testify the good things of God in my life. I receive the Holy Spirit into my life again. Give me a fresh Pentecostal experience today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Glory be to God. I receive it today in Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to glorify God and praise Him and say, Lord, I receive all that you have for me. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I thank you for it today. I receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. And everybody said, so be it. Let's give the Lord a great big clap offering of praise. Hallelujah. Now, the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is multifaceted. But let me tell you, one of the first evidences that the Holy Spirit had fallen upon the people of God on Pentecost Sunday was that that the world could hear them praising the world could hear them worshiping. The world could see what was going on in their life. The world was bore witness to the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so I say to you today, not just this morning, but in the morning, when you walk out into your world, I, 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 you just see me saying, come out, come out wherever you are. Come on, just walk out into your world full of the Holy Ghost and full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And if somebody asks you, as I had friends in my life, ask what in the world has happened to you? You tell them I've been, Hey, I'm not drunk as you suppose. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got the power of God in my life. And you need it too. Come here, let me give you some in Jesus' name. Spread it around, amen. Hallelujah. Don't be embarrassed about the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what Paul said? I thank, my, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. I'm a tongue-talking Pentecostal preacher. And I don't speak in tongues in my private place and afraid that somebody will hear me praise the Lord in a new language. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So one more time, lift up our hands. In fact, just to stir it up, let's pray in the Spirit just a second. Just release the Holy Ghost. Lord, you taught us to pray in the Spirit with the understanding also. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We release the giftings of God in our life. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You're a Pentecostal, Spirit-filled believer. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say this to them. Guard your heart. No, start over and say, above all else. Guard your heart, for everything you do flows through it. Amen. Proverbs 4.23. It's been a great day. God bless you. Go love somebody. In fact, next week is Memorial Day weekend. Listen, shock the preacher, shock the Holy Ghost, and shock and show up next weekend on Memorial Day weekend. In fact, let's fill up every chair. Let's just have it. Let's, hey, let's let, did you know Sunday is not the weekend, it's the week beginning? So you get Memorial Day out of the way, uh, you know, after or before something. But on Sunday, let's begin strong and be here and just worship the Lord. I'm. Let me just, I don't know if this is Sunday's message, but let me tell you what God spoke to me 
last night right here. And I've been praying, and it's already started happening to me. I realize a lot of my prayer life is, Lord, what do I say? But we, we changed a lot of that. And so last night, we, we started praying, Lord, what do I do? And let me tell you something. God's going to give us some things to do. He's going to give us some assignments. Some things to accomplish. Some things to change. Some things to do to make a bigger difference in the world. Some people are just waiting for something to hit them. It's time to do something. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time we do something. God's going to give you an assignment this week. Some things to do. Amen. Start praying, God, what do you want me to do? Not just, uh, not just with me, myself, and I. There's some things he wants you to do. Just listen, and he'll tell you what to do. Amen. It's going to be a great week. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night. We'll see you Sunday morning. God bless you.